That first verse in First uh, Samuel 3 also says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And we'll, we'll probably touch a little bit on this later. But it does make me think of, um, you know, coming from New Zealand as well as looking around the States here. Both New Zealand and the United States have very heavy Christian foundations, Christian background. Um, New Zealand's national anthem is an amazing prayer. But there is truly no widespread revelation of God and, and the word of the Lord is rare in both these nations, which is kind of sad um, considering their foundation. And I think of that at this particular time in Israel. We've just gone through the judges. They're in Israel. They're in the promised land. They're in this the ground, the, the arena where God has put them and was going to do amazing things with them. And through all of that, there's still no widespread revelation of God. There's no that heaviness or the presence that I know that God probably would have wanted to be just all over Israel is, is gone. It's not there. And, and people have chosen that. Um, so I kind of feel that way about some of the other Western nations and stuff where if we were willing to allow God in to our schools, into our communities, into our stuff, he would be all over it. Um, but he allows us that free choice. And Israel at this stage had that choice too. And unfortunately, they, they chose not to. So next it talks about Eli and Samuel. And I'll, I'll go a little quicker through some of it. But they're, they're in the tabernacle there, uh, the tabernacle meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, that, that chest, if you will, that, that is all there as well. I'll make a little side note while I can here. There is a aspect of a particular place. So they're in the tabernacle. You know, we think of like, oh, well, a church is a holy place. And yes, it is just a building, but there is a sense of it. So yes, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He can be wherever he wants. Uh, he's not limited to a particular place. But he does know that we as humans are. We are limited to a one particular time frame. Our bodies can only be in one spot at a time. And, and so God knowing that, it's interesting that throughout history he picks particular spots, uh, holy holy ground, if you will, um, where he will meet with people. And often these places are places where God can see our heart for it. So if, let's say this mother, Hannah, she comes every year to Shiloh. It's a particular place that she comes to. Now, God's everywhere, so she doesn't technically have to go there. Just like us driving to church, I mean, yes, God can minister us at home. But there is something about when God sees our hearts go, hey, we want to travel to this location to meet with other Christians and to to seek God. Um, it's like he... I don't know, I think I think he enjoys it. I think he actually enjoys when you sit aside, be like, look, I'm going to come to this place. I know this is just a building. You know, it was an old bank building. Who cares? But 
it's now like we we will dedicate let's say a house or a property or something and i think god honors that he he truly honors when we say hey this property lord is yours you you have reign over this i'm going to be the um got the word but i'll be the person who facilitates things but lord it's it's your place uh, and we do that because not that God can't be everywhere, but because I know it's like he enjoys to meet people there. And I feel like this tabernacle and stuff is a good example of God meeting Samuel there. God could have met Samuel anywhere, but um, it's just interesting that this story takes place in a particular spot that was dedicated uh, to God. It does make me think of the the verse um, in Matthew eighteen twenty. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And that's a well known phrase, a well known um, verse. But it's you know all the more true when we pray together, when we seek uh, God together. God enjoys being in the midst of that, which is really cool. That our God is is very personable. So God calls Samuel. Samuel runs to Eli, thinking it's him, uh, but he's told to go back to bed. This happens a couple of times. Uh, it's clearly some kind of audible voice or something. So Samuel, I don't know. Samuel thinks God is, sounds like an old man because he runs to Eli. So <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, um. But whatever the audible voice was, he's hearing his name, uh, and I guess he he thinks, "Hey, Eli's the only guy around, so no one else said anything. It must be, must be Eli." So uh, he runs, he runs there. In verse seven, it does mention how now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So there's still. Uh, naivety, or a, a, he has—he doesn't have that. You know, in, in our modern day, we say we have like that personal relationship. We have—we have head knowledge, but then it's like, hey, now we have a true relationship with God. When we when we become, um, you know, Christians, so it's it's kind of an interesting little difference there too. Now, each time Samuel runs to Eli, he says, "Here I am." Which is actually a really good phrase, and I didn't. I was gonna make a little slide, but I'll, I'll rattle them off. There's actually a lot of verses of very important times throughout history, especially where visions happened or um, a change in course of history happened, when certain people throughout the Bible said to God, "Here I am." Now, obviously, Samuel's saying this to Eli, but there are many cases um, throughout the Bible. So I'm going to just say a few, and I'll say it a little slower since I didn't make a slide. But So Genesis 22.1. So Genesis 22.1. Genesis 46.2. So Genesis 46.2. Exodus 3.4. Isaiah 6 verse 8 and Acts 9 verse 10 
And those are just a few examples of where people came to God or heard God or they had a vision. And the first thing they said, and pretty much the only thing they say, is here I am. And then God does something amazing um, time and time after, yeah, after that. So 1 Samuel 3, 8 through 10. And the Lord came, uh, the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. The funny thing is when I keep reading this over and over again, I realize that Samuel, who, like I said, he's probably like 10 or 12 or something, half asleep, he actually didn't say the phrase that Eli asked him to say. So Eli said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And then Samuel just says, speak for your servant hears. So he missed the Lord part, which I I don't know if it's just him like, you know, sleepy 10 year old, but he actually didn't quite quote Eli properly. I don't think God cared at all um, because he just goes ahead and gives them the message. But I just, I don't know, I find it funny that the Bible literally wrote that down saying, hey, like he didn't actually quote him correctly. It does say that the Lord came and stood and called. Where the other times where it says he called him, it doesn't say that he stood there. So there's no way to verify what that was, what form it came in, whether it was, I mean, it's all kind of the same, a Christophany or um, the angel of the Lord appearance, a pre-incarnate Christ or, um, you know, the... We don't know what form it was, but yeah. So it's like, did he did he see a vision? Was it like okay, the other times it was audible. This time, he could see something physical. Um, we're we're not entirely sure. We can't verify it with anything, but it is there is a difference. One in the answer that he gave God, or the answer that he gave uh, to his name being called, as well as the way God responded to Samuel. So it is interesting. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I... We were in a meeting, and I spoke a little more than I wanted to. And <laughs> some people, some people have been in that meeting, but but it was this passage that was actually in my head. It was this passage of scripture that was in my head, and and you know other people were talking back and forth about different things, and um, and I was thinking of young Samuel. He's already ministering to God, and he's he's doing those things in the tabernacle. He didn't know God yet. But he's already he's already doing doing the work. He's he's got his his feet wet, if you will. And, and I do think it's very important for 
us to teach kids, grandkids, whoever, to show them how to serve, even if they don't know God yet, that personal relationship will come. But they need to be in it already. There, there's, a, there's a fruit that can come from that, even if it just makes their life better. And, but that personal, Samuel didn't have that personal relationship with God yet, but he was already serving. And I think it's very important to do that. And we've we've read this a couple of times, but Deuteronomy six, four through nine, which is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So even the nation of Israel was told to have it everywhere. When you're moving about every day, you're you're talking to your kids, you know, poke at Bill Hickman, but Bill Hickman says how, you know, speak to your co-workers as if they're already saved. I do think there's something to it as far as that ministry, as far as that communication. Their relationship with God will come. But there is there is a, a fruit from that. Now, I was thinking of making this an open question, but I'm going to make it a uh, rhetorical just for sake of time but how do we minister to the Lord so it says Samuel ministered to the Lord and now he was doing different things in in the tabernacle there but what does that mean to us and how do we teach the the young people to do that how do we teach the kids or grandkids or whoever to minister to the Lord and it might be you know prayer praise preaching um, maybe it's just modeling the character of God in our everyday activities. Uh, I, I don't know, but there is there is a true question that needs to be asked. How do we minister to God? And how do we show the next generation how to do that also? So with this one, I... I Like I said, I want to focus more on that servanthood. And Samuel has a a servant's heart. He does say, speak for your servant hears. And that's that's it. That's actually all. He he just says, speak, your servant hears. And then he listens. And unfortunately, I think these days we focus... So much on the idea of perfecting or having a perfect calling on our entire life that we we miss the simplicity of responding to like a simple uh humble availability, just waiting on on God, waiting for him to give us that instruction and it, I know you hear. I'm sure we've all heard it, but where you hear young people go, oh, well, 
you know, maybe God calls me, hey, Hercules, Hercules. And the next thing, I just go on for the next 10 minutes saying, God, well, you know, God, I'm so glad you finally called. Um, so I was thinking about this, and, and you know, by the time that I do that, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Um, so when I'm 85, can I retire on a beachside somewhere, uh, and, and we just go off on this big thing? Where, where Samuel's response here kind of puts that whole thing, idea, to shame a little bit. Um, and it also makes me think of how what God did in this simple little visitation. And he, uh, I'm not going to read it again, but it's just, he just tells them, that pretty much your mentor is going to die along with his sons. I'm going to do something amazing because you're going to know this information before it happened. So there's no way a little 12-year-old boy is going to know this. So it's going to be of God. But that's it. And then he went went and lied down again. So now he's scared to tell uh, Eli this. We often, in our modern minds, kind of we see now the the prophet that, that Samuel became. But God didn't say, "Okay, Samuel, you're now a young boy. I'm going to give you this prophecy. You're going to end up, you know, helping the kings be established." And, and okay, some person three thousand years from now in a place called America, which hasn't really started yet, in Greenville, South Carolina, they're going to be talking about your deeds. So you're going to be pretty awesome. God didn't give any of that information at all. It was actually a pretty sad um, judgment that this young boy had to end up telling his mentor. And luckily, Eli understood. But um, I don't think it's what we often perceive it as when we think, okay, God's going to tell me Something cool. He's, he called my name and this is going to happen. Um, often it ends up being far less grand than what we perceive. But um, I'll tell a little personal story. For me, I can only say that once in my life that I feel like I heard God. And it, and it, was, it was one of those where it wasn't anything amazing. Um, I was in in church in New Zealand. Uh, we were singing, we were praising, and I just felt burdened. I can't even remember what it was, but I felt burdened, maybe about the future or something. I sat down, and, and you know how your head just kind of has that rolodex, and you're just going through like every. I'm one of those people who I can hear my own voice. I, I hear different people hear different things, but um, I, I hear, I I do hear my own voice, and it it is as you hear it now. Um, and a voice cut me off, like like my thought went and it cut off, and a different voice just told me, "Keep going." And that was it. That was the whole thing, and and I felt real peaceful about it, super super unusual peaceful about it. Um, and this was like eight years ago, and that's all I've ever heard. So that that was it. That was my God experience. Um, nothing grand. 
But eight years ago, did I know that I'm going to marry an American and move all the way here? And no, no. So there's no way I knew any of that, but God did. So how much that means, I don't know. But I think each one of us sometimes <laughs> sometimes need that Rolodex to stop and just to be like, okay, God, here I am. What do you want me to do? Like just, just anything, just open here I am, your servant hears, and and God will do amazing stuff, just like he did with Samuel. He just, God will go, okay, cool, you finally are listening. I'll use you. You're ready. You're willing. Let's go. Um, so that that's, you know, that personal story there. But, so proverb, now, maybe you haven't heard anything from God Ever, I don't know. Maybe you've never heard a weird little uh, scenario like I had there where, where God just said something so simple. Uh, it makes me think of Proverbs 16, 9. So Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. So don't do nothing <laughs> either. Um, yes, wait on the Lord. Um, listen. And be willing to listen and act as soon as he speaks. But you don't do nothing either. Um, especially if you are a born-again believer. You've accepted Christ um, as Lord and Savior. Um, God's Spirit is speaking to your spirit. So in, in Hebrews 10, uh, 15 and 16. So Hebrews 10, 15 and 16. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds. I will write them. So God will directly communicate with your spirit. And you should listen to it. If, you, if you're not a born-again believer and a Christian and have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, do not listen to that. <laughs> do not listen to whatever your heart desires. It's it's evil and corrupt. Don't do it. Um, if you are, though, listen um, and listen carefully to it. Um, you will have instruction. And sometimes it's very simple. If something reoccurs, reoccurs. I was probably speaking to myself. There's a little bug in that light that I see every Sunday I come here and I've never taken it out. And uh <laughs> but sometimes there's a little there's those little <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't have pointed that one out. Um but sometimes there's that little thing where it's like you see you see that problem, you see that issue, maybe it's at work or maybe it's like every day you go to work you have that little nudging. I need to pray with that person. I need to pray with that person, and you just don't just do it. It's very it's it's very simple faith walking out. Um, maybe you have a particular talent or a particular way to serve the body or or minister to somebody, and if that keeps reoccurring, that's God saying, "This is the next step. This is the next step. I'll I'll give you your whole life plan." After you do this step and the next step and the next step and the next step, and then by the time you're done, you're going to come home with me. You know, it's little simple steps. 
And uh, this was this visitation with Samuel, was that first little step that made him the prophet. And that's going to finish us up here in verse 19 through 21. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So the the Dan to Bathsheba, Beersheba, uh, that's like the whole nation. So, I don't know, L.A. to New York, all the way across. Um, It's pretty cool that it says that none of his words fell to the ground. So whatever he said came true. So he... He was a prophet, you know, so obviously he was listening to God and had had pronounced that upon the people and it would become true. But that's that's a pretty awesome (laughs) ability that whatever you say, your words will never be wrong. God established him for that. And so he was able to speak to kings and speak to uh, the nation and whatever he pronounced came true. And it speaks again of the the word of the Lord, uh, just like it started off with in this. So it's interesting that that's one of the first things in this chapter that's mentioned and the last thing that's mentioned. And so that word of the Lord, um, there's multiple ways. So it could be the word of the Lord we, we see sometimes throughout the Bible is Christ. Um I would guess here, since it's a lowercase w, so we kind of have that little throughout the Bible, but it does also talk about the vision and um, the knowledge. So this seems more informational in the sense of when Eli asks him, Eli asks him about the vision and says, what was the word of the Lord? It's that knowledge that this boy could not have had that he was able to convey. And it was purely God that could have given him that vision, purely God who could have given him that word. It was a word that was not his. It was the Lord's word. Um, Yes, there was a visitation by Christ. I don't think that's exactly what this word of the Lord was uh, speaking of. But what is cool is that it does say here that he is then established. God establishes him. He has this cool visitation. And from then on, like that's his ministry. God, God takes him to do amazing things. Just before I pray, I do want to Just finish with that, that sometimes it's easy to get distracted. And and like this passage starts off, Israel's in a terrible state at this time. And and obviously we look around us and things don't look too too hot around us either. Um, 
But there's something simple in listening to God, replying, and in a sense of applying whatever He tells us to do, and He will establish our way. And I just want to—I want to leave with that. Actually, I just listen to the Lord and, and take those little snippets, those little bits. Be willing to listen. Uh, in our day, it's we're we're rushing all the time, so it's hard to listen. But but listen and, and listen and do. So, but each each one of us has a calling. God has a purpose for each one of us. And. They're often not the same calling for each one of us. We all have a different purpose. And God will establish you in however much you are willing to submit to Him. So if you're willing to submit everything and say, Hey, here I am, whatever you want, let's go. Then God will honor that. Uh, if you hold back, He'll He'll honor you your freedom. But But you won't achieve as much as what you could have. So... Uh, but God will establish you in what you do. So uh, I'm going to just close this up in prayer. And Lord, we thank you that we can rely on you, that you are faithful, Lord, that even when the, the world can turn upside down and, and the words of men can be fleeting and... Um, the the state of things around us can be terrible but but we can rely on your word lord we can rely that you have not forgotten us we can rely that you are faithful we can rely that you have seen the the past and the present and the future and and you're in control of all of it that nothing has escaped you lord i thank you that you give these simple little examples uh of things that have happened throughout history, Lord, where you have guided the route of men and uh, even when they choose to do good or bad or whatever, Lord, you you use it and nothing is beyond your power, nothing is beyond your control. We just thank you that we can come to you in such simplicity and you meet us where we're at, Lord. Lord, I presumptuously pray for everyone here uh, that that we do want to meet with you, Lord, that we do want to surrender. And if there's stuff that's holding us back, Lord, that, that you will remove that blockage, remove that hindrance, Lord, that we can come to you wholeheartedly and, and live out what you have designed us and created us for, Lord. And we thank you that you... You created us with a plan and a purpose and, and you knew us um, personally even though we did not know you, Lord. I just thank you for this night. I thank you for this congregation, Lord. I thank you for your, your great mercies and grace upon our lives. You're so good to us. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.